Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, a special guest, Brad Boyles. How you doing, man? <laughs> Very good. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> All right. There we go. Uh, this is the here. part of the podcast where I ask our guest, which is yourself, a little bit about yourself, you know, the past, the present, the future. Let's do it. Go for it, man. Well, cool. Sorry, I saw the flies buzzing around. I was like, huh. Yeah, that's your place, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is a new place. <laughs> so uh, if you don't mind kind of giving a little bit of background, you know. Yeah, yeah, where totally. Been, where you at? Where you at? Yeah, yeah. I, I got into this whole game thing um, kind of as a student, like, uh, like a lot of millennials. <laughs> Ended up out in um, Orange County, uh, South Orange County for the Art Institute. Rest in peace. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I graduated in 2010 studying game art. So, you know, really into like prop modeling and environment modeling and stuff like that. Uh, towards the end of my graduation or as I was graduating, uh, made a lot of really good contacts trying to just, you know, be that good student, go to all the, the dev hangouts, have, have beers with people that will have beers with me and whatnot. And that all ended up working out pretty well. Um, I ended up learning about like an intern position not too far in the same area at Obsidian Entertainment um, to help out with uh, a lot of just like basic game art janitorial stuff, you know, super entry level on the Fallout New Vegas DLCs. Um, it's the last three. I didn't, I didn't work on the first of the four, but the last three a little bit. Uh, yeah, and it was really cool. I learned a crap ton. It was a sweet, like, first step in the industry as a, as a little uh, intern, um, just doing all kinds of little stuff, color tinting trees, you know, fixing collisions, stuff like that, and then super, super small but fun art tasks. Um, did that for a little while. Uh, another opportunity presented itself after a little bit of time there. Um, former former colleague, I mean, uh, former teacher, professor, slash future colleague, uh, ended up his studio uh, over down in San Diego. Um, High Moon Studios was looking for like an entry-level kind of associate junior prop person um, to do, you know, some cool sci-fi proppies and maybe even venture out into like weapons and stuff like that, third-person weapons uh, for a Transformers game. Uh, and that was that was where things really really got fun. I got to be super creative, work off of uh, you know actual concept arts made by awesome concept artists and stuff like that. Um, a little little more outside of the janitorial stuff. Um, so yeah, that was like a really cool little second second gig. Um, yeah, I started just doing props and stuff like that. They were happy with my work. 
I was having a really good time. So I ended up ended up doing like half or so of all the um, third person guns and props. Uh, Transformers was super fun. Then I was there at the stage when High Moon started started getting assimilated into that uh, that whole Call of Duty beast mm-hmm. yep. that it is today. Uh, you know, being a, a COD studio and everything. Uh, worked a little bit on Advanced Warfare, uh, and then got the can. A good old, you know, you can't be a can't be a millennial in the game industry without getting laid off once or twice. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the layoff was, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Everyone. Who, who does this knows what that's like and chances are if you do this you do know what that's like <laughs> mm-hmm. um so that was kind of a shock because it was really cool you know oh, my dream franchise played a played a ton of call of duty in, in school and stuff like that and so to be able to get a little bit of art um shipped in with a with a cod game was it was a huge step and it was really cool but it was also really sad at the same time because it was just a little bit and i really right. wanted to to, to stay and kick booty on that project but you, you um, were a full-timer there right or <laughs> i was i was full-time yeah yeah so i got hired on uh contract worked a little over a year as a contract uh they were happy ended up uh, getting full-time and then yeah. worked about full-time for a year <laughs> moved over there after i went full-time lived in san diego for a year and then you know got the layoff um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh well, i think activision's then... a little bit better about that it's a little bit. <laughs> uh, a little bit. Well, they're trying to hire as much as they can. Everyone's leaving yeah. on their own. <laughs> yeah. Still, yeah. Looking like it. <laughs> and then eventually you went to Turtle Rock and that's where we met. Like I, I didn't realize how much we our life were were in so in sync. Like you I think you graduated after me. We didn't really cross paths while we were at A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I was a little bit of a baby. <laughs> yeah. So and then we were at Sledgehammer together at least a little time. You were there when I was there. That was when I was at High Moon. So yeah, you were at Sledgehammer when I was at High Moon Mm -hmm. because you were there at Advanced Warfare, or no? Yeah, Advanced Warfare and uh, COD World War II. That's right. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by the time World War II was happening, I was back at Obsidian for my second stint there working on Russian tank games for four years. (laughs) Uh, So you were able to stay in Southern California. Yeah, pretty much the whole freaking time. Um, Yeah, definitely. I'm not too much of like a mover so i, I was wasn't super wanting to like branch out of Very it unfortunately you know privileged thing to say <laughs> oh i know <laughs> no, too like, much, right not everyone gets to choose that uh i guess oh yeah, way, yeah, yeah yeah there was a great chance that if i was asked to go to like you know new york or something like that i would have to say oh i don't know if, uh, this is for no. me <laughs> well you waited it out you waited for a pandy uh to make right? this decision and <laughs> now now you can work anywhere which comes to like I, I saw that you were uh, your perma remote now. You're not even in South California anymore. Yeah. Where, where are you at? Yeah, yeah. I um. So after being at Turtle Rock for the last, um, I think it'll be five years in May. Um, I ended up, you know, pandemics made everything expensive for everyone. Of course, uh, I got really fortunate. Uh, didn't have my rent raised on me for for three years, and all through the pandemic, I had a really cool landlord. Uh, we were his first tenants, um, but then. You know, this year he says he can't turn the lease back up. So I'm like, all right, way too expensive to stay there on an artist's salary. So move up to Bakersfield, California. That's where I'm from, uh, just a few hours north of the LA uh, area. So yeah, just full time here, uh, working from home. They're really cool with it. I'll I'll drive back down every once in a while for, you know, office get togethers or whatever. Yeah. Hangouts and meetings, big meetings. But uh, it's a two hour drive, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah. 
getting down to South Orange County, more like three to three and a half if traffic's good to you. <laughs> yeah, Bakersfield is, uh, I've never really stopped by Bakersfield. It's always been kind of like a flyby yeah. city. Unless you really need when to When I pee. drive up to North. You don't need to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, overall, I'm super happy for you, man. It's, um, you're one of the best weapon artists I know. Super humble. Oh. <laughs> always positive. I love that about you. It's, it's a nice, um, energy to be around uh constantly and um and especially kind of our history kind of crossing path it's always felt uh kind of cool to kind of see your growth and everything and likewise man it's been so cool seeing you and a lot of the upperclassmen at the time you guys are always going to be my upperclassmen you know you guys are always so cool to, uh, the, to the younger students and everything yeah and... it is it's crazy i mean i think uh I think overall, I think your experiences, yeah, there are things, but you're such a positive guy that you you had fun, right? But with me, you know, there were also um, definitely positive and negatives, mostly negative, but like the positive <laughs> was the networking, right, with the people. Yeah. But that school in particular pumped out some pretty good talent, like that got placed at really high positions now uh, at various companies. And so overall, it's too bad they couldn't uh, – hold on a little longer <laughs> from from the scam <laughs> that they got caught with yeah but exactly i think overall like it would have been a great successful campus with all you know such as yourself and many others that we know uh succeeded in the game industry that out of that program um it's unfortunate yeah. that they kind of closed up shop too soon yeah absolutely but, we got lucky with a lot of the professors and stuff and the people we met along the line. That's what I tell myself. I just, I paid to go meet the people I met. Yeah, exactly. On the side. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is. Um, I do want to kind of talk to you about that. You know, the transition there, um, you have always been the office guy in office because you lived near enough. Uh, now that you're fully remote, has that changed? Have you always been kind of used to working from home? Did you kind of do that off and on because of the pandy? Yeah, two because years of that, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like like most studios, it was everybody worked from home. You know, don't even get to for for quite a while. Um, over the last six months or so, uh, you know, kind of right as things really started getting better with the pandemic, you know, less uh, mandates and stuff being enforced and whatnot, and the levels, of course, going way back down. Yeah. Um, we had a small group go back into the studio and that group kept getting bigger and bigger and, and whatnot. And I was one of the first ones to try to, to try to get back in there as well. Uh, when I could, because I got a little toddler at home now and yeah. my sub 1000 square foot condo was uh, very hard to work full time with a little toddler screaming around behind you as, as cute and fun as she is. Um, so I, I was totally used to it and, you know, so moving over to, to a new place with big space and doors to be able to close Dedicated and get some work done. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's only gotten better. It's only gotten easier. Uh, and then as far as all the logistics for working from home, I mean, like so many other places, there's just been leaps and bounds on getting whole teams up and running digitally. And it's, it's pretty dang smooth. So it's not too shabby, not too shabby at all. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do want to say like, um, Overall, and I've been kind of preaching this the last two years. Overall, I, I want to say that game developers, uh, in summary, have been uh, really good working it from home. But that has not been the case, right? Um, I feel like a lot more people are having a lot of trouble because, you, you know, the, the stuff they have to deal with at home. Mm -hmm. But um, 
if I have to conclude, I, I think family guys or gals especially have been a little bit better, uh, uh, especially people who have done freelancing on the side before uh, are kind of used to uh, pressure cooking time, time as a resource, right? So they have to be focused and, and complete work. And I feel the younger generation are having a lot more tougher time. I would definitely not... see that and agree with it. Yeah. yeah. I was there. It to... was. You saw that? All right. Can you share I just, some I of felt the stories? same thing. Okay. I, I just meant like, yeah, like I felt the same way. It was having worked in games for, I don't know, however long it was, six, seven, eight, eight years or something, always being in a studio, always driving somewhere into the studio and putting myself in that creative mode. It was really hard at first to just like, wake up and not want to just you know be, be a lazy millennial or something <laughs> it's like oh that's right i gotta actually log on and do the same same hard work i've done every day you know, during the week and everywhere else and so there's definitely a weird like funk to get through at the beginning i remember but I mean, yeah it's just about just getting through it and you know trying to to get out of that and forcing yourself to kind of settle down and not get distracted just as often and whatnot <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a new habit and I'm glad a lot of people are doing it but it is uh, I think because of the tech company is kind of starting the trend a lot of people are going back in the office now I, I do feel a good amount like over 70% are going to be back in the office eventually yeah just the way the companies are say COVID's done quote mm -hmm. unquote right uh, get back in here we're paying for these office spaces yeah um, exactly and then there's going to be a small percentage. I mean, I think most people were hoping 50-50, but I think it's going to be more than that, just to logistics. And there are a lot of benefits with being around creative gossip, right? Uh, just being able to talk in person. Yeah. And uh, just based on what I'm hearing, not a lot of people are... I don't know. I feel like mature enough to kind of handle the work from home. Like I would mm -hmm. love to kind of say hundred percent, everybody was efficient, but that sounded like more like 20% of people were yeah, actually efficient. Might have been hopeful. <laughs> yeah. It's very hopeful to kind of say that way. But, um, you know, I, I brought you in here because I've been loving your work, uh, especially all for all the stuff that you guys been doing for back for blood, uh, weapons. It sounds like you've, kind of had that attraction since the beginning of your career right you did yeah <laughs> you did a few things but like weapon seems to be your focus uh did you always kind of know this was it something you experiment on one of your jobs where suddenly you're like hey was it a high moon what what when did you particularly like, hey this is my lane i'm going all yeah in. i mean it definitely clicked at, at high moon um doing doing the third person um robot guns for transformers um you know Again, going going back and working with just some really amazing concept teams um, was was another just driving force. Just having these amazing concepts to work off of, and just it, it worked out really well. Just you know, there were plenty of times when I'm like, "Hey, I think I'd rather do it this way. Push these shapes in this direction," and they're just like, "Yeah, do it." And just giving me other ideas, and it just it, I really realized that I wanted to focus on just the weapons. Um, but of course, you know, weapons, environments, props, that was always kind of my thing as, as you know, graduating. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say right around at that time. Um, and then to to go to like a tank game after that, where you get to make some some really big guns, but they're guns that are also vehicles and whatnot. Um, they kind of just further solidified like, yeah, like these kind of big kind of like, you know, hero piece prop weapon vehicles are kind of what I certainly enjoy the most. So. 
to, to fall into a, a first person shooter like Back for Blood um, as, a, as a weapons artist and just getting to do like real guns was kind of just a bit of a dream position. So I was I was happy to run with it for the last for the last little while. <laughs> well, let's talk about kind of since Armor Warfare to to now, like how how um, how much of a difference in your process uh, changed? Like, of course, there's new programs during this from why well, I mm -hmm. think you were actually uh, too young to play with Crazy Pump. What was your first? <laughs> no, like, actually, Crazy Pump. I've, yeah, I've Crazy Pump. Some of theirs. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> was it? Run my filters. <laughs> it had to be before Advanced Warfare, right? Before Transformers. Where you uh, were for, for Crazy Pump? Well, what was your texturing software around these? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. No, um, it was pretty much primarily... Well, it's interesting. It's kind of funny. So yeah. it was Photoshop all throughout school and everything. So a lot of these um, like weapons you'll see, like the, the older ones, the, the Rhino and the Vector and that 1911, you know, that's kind of all just classic Photoshop-y, finding your metal textures, overlaying in Photoshop, um, trying to just nail that PBR stuff all by hand and, and whatnot. This is before no. Dido and Endo. Yeah, this, this is right before all that stuff. Um, I think it was. Yeah, it was right before all that. But then that was definitely the next step. So it's, so I guess taking a step back on the Transformers stuff, um, we had, we have, and they, they still do, uh, Mike Brown is an amazing principal artist over there, guided me so much through awesome, awesome artness. Um, he pretty much wrote his own Quixel kind of procedural texturing. You know, it, it essentially was the, the Indo or the, the Dido or whatever, whatever that Quixel suite was that, yeah. you know, textured out of Photoshop. Well, I was doing that like before Quixel put it out there, just based off of the, the internal stu uh, studios tools. So that was a huge step. So I didn't have to spend time, you know, painting all the little scratches on all the edges and stuff like that. Yeah. We just did it procedurally. Procedurally worked really well for a third person weapon since you weren't seeing it in super close detail. So that really enabled me to just model, bake, texture like crazy like really really fast um you know lots of symmetrical things on these shapes so i only ever modeled half a gun or whatever half of a thing just mirror it over so it was actually even though some stuff might kind of look complex um i got it down to where you know most of these assets i think were done in about a week um so that's that's from like block out to textured and in game like handed off to the animators ready to go um and that, and again, that week is after kind of fine fine tuning things. So that was after a few weapons. Um, but yeah, so you know the whole like Photoshopy all by hand manual brunting it all through school. A little bit of my early career, um, you know, through Fallout, still like that, just regular Photoshopy stuff. And then yeah, I get into the studio and I find out, oh man, there's like tools that can texture this stuff procedurally for us. That's pretty cool. Um, so then when I ended up at, at Obsidian, uh, it is Quixel, like Quixel Suite that we used. Um, so we used that on a lot of the early tanks. Um, oh yeah, it was a little bit of environment stuff. Is this when you were, were you there when Larry was there too? I no. think so. Yeah, I was there during that. I was pretty much there through the entire production of that project. Like I was hired on very so early serious. on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was actually hired on as an environment artist. Um, and then put over to the weapons team after I begged and cried a lot. <laughs> How many set of no. maps? Uh, because I'm always been be, because environment we're always kind of 
told to like use as little oh, amount yeah. of materials as possible but like with sure. weapons and then to characters it's it seems like every eyeball is like 4096 and i'm looking at <laughs> is weapon and i always felt like weapons are in between like how many sets of maps yeah yeah yeah. i think some of these tanks went pretty crazy like anywhere between seven and ten on uh on some of these vehicles yeah they they weren't all 4k um i think the only thing that ever got a a 4k map in game was the hull so the big kind of body the big chunk of body but then you know we had we had separate texture sets for everything else so you had one for the barrel you had one for the tank tracks you had one for uh the turret you had one for all the little boxes and stuff like that stuck to it (laughs) oh yeah definitely (laughs) i mean it's like that even even on weapons today and stuff like that how much have that increased or has that changed um you know i wouldn't say it's changed too much actually um it's just bigger size like 4096 8192 or oh definitely no 8k no that'd be nice but uh definitely i've never worked on a on a project where i was able to put anything bigger than a 4k map (laughs) i'm sure it's out there but um yeah i mean most of our guns are anywhere between um like two and six texture sets i'd say um for most of the the, like kind of larger like assault rifles and stuff like that um but if it's smaller yeah i can go down to like two and then are Um, they pretty much to a science now where each map is dedicated to a part of the gun or is it different for each gun yeah uh it kind of it kind of depends on the artist but for the most part yeah we will work the same and we'll, we'll definitely you know the, the front section of the gun uh, the front handguard and the barrel will always have a, a chunk of map and you know that might, map might be smaller than the, the iron sights even they're right up in your face and whatnot that we want to have the most detail we're, we're always thinking that classic cod like give all the texture resolution or not all but as much as possible to what's in front of your face and feel free to go lower if you need to save uv space down the line at the front of the gun so first person back of the gun most important detail yeah totally okay that's kind of becoming less and less these days because now you know guns are being put in like model viewers yeah and you can even rotate it in game so we kind of stepped back from that to a degree but that's still always going to be be there so overall just make uh, it look good <laughs> yeah, from all angles look as good as possible at all angles yeah. yeah um yeah so i mean like after uh the quixel stuff it was about halfway through my time on the tank team going from that was when painter became like a big thing uh which, and i was pretty excited exactly to try it here? oh which dude i think it is oh um the IS-7 was my first dive into Painter. That's the green. Can I draw on this? I don't know. It's on the right-hand side. Right-hand uh, side. Keep going right there. Uh, next one. Yeah, that guy. That's the IS-7. So that was like, that was my first soiree into Painter. Um, and it was just freaking amazing, man. I, I literally, it was pretty cool. I got to kind of just take a full week to just dive into the, 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 you know, the new program and, you know, check out all the tutorials. Painter right out the box. Right off the bat, I remember they had some great like tips and tutorials, and they they've always been great about doing that. Um, hopefully, it's still that way now that it's Adobe. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> you you must have kind of uh, experimented with three D painting programs. I I forgot what which ones were like. I know Marie was starting was for the film mm-hmm. and effects, right? And I played with yeah. that. And I was like, oh, there's a cool potential here, but like it definitely was not for gaming pipeline. But there was yeah. other programs before that that was promising. 
but you know yeah quicksil you- quicksil was quicksil. doing it I, I was doing in quicksil even before quicksil i had even toyed around with the, the photoshop uh, photoshop was always oh, able right. to take 3d models and paint directly on them but it was bad <laughs> it was not a, a, a super great experience if be definitely you're trying to do something like this <laughs> yeah they kind of slept throughout that uh 3d painting yeah. they're like oh photoshop will just take us everywhere that's all we yeah, ever need eventually right. they bought substance hopefully. yeah exactly yeah. look at where we're at now <laughs> yeah. oh this is awesome um, but yeah honestly the the jump between from like having to be in photoshop and using photoshop plugins like quicksil to painter was easily i would say it, for me personally the biggest thing to happen to me in my pipeline in working in, in game art uh, other people might feel differently about modeling softwares and model. I'm kind of behind on that. I'm still modeling in, in Max and Maya. I need to check out the, the the blender and all the the get back into the whole CAD modeling stuff with the fusion. I did a little bit of that in high school, but ever since then it's just been fusions. Polygons. But yeah, yeah I mean, fusion three hundred and sixty. <laughs> I mean that's huge for you, weapon guys, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anything hard surface. I try playing it, but uh, I mean I can see the advantage. Like anybody, right? If you're proficient at a program, you, you just look awesome doing it eventually and you got to figure out these shortcuts to kind of make your workflow work but uh it was too much like autocad to me it's like hey, it is that's exactly (laughs) what it's meant for yeah yeah they're they're planning on you at least when when the program was built it's like you're gonna print this out or this is gonna go into a cnc machine and get you know cut from metal like you can make straight up real guns in these programs and get them printed out that way (laughs) yeah uh but yeah, but it definitely I, I love it. creates an opening where like, hey, if we can take some of these tools and probably Pixelogic is trying to do that with ZBrush. Uh, they're Wouldn't making a lot surprised. of effort. But yeah, there isn't just, uh, it's not very, uh, I don't know, gamer focus just yet. Uh, yeah, not quite. Yeah, if you do any sort of fusion stuff, you've got to have some pretty creative workflow stuff where you're bringing that file into ZBrush and making a real high poly out of it. Yeah, it's it's a but. bother. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons why I haven't just gone full into it. But um, I definitely want to look into it. Yeah. Blender's looking pretty good, though. Blender um, seems to the be all end all. Um, yeah. If you want to. Uh, yeah, a little bit of everything it. and doing it well. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. So, like, I do see this a lot, too, with you, you weapon guys right because i feel like um you know zbrush you guys don't touch zbrush as much as i thought you would um yep. <laughs> so that that's like a, i think a common misconception where you know of course they made a lot of strides with the hard surfacing model that tink Deeks through that and they continue to mm-hmm. do so with every update it seems like they're really focusing on on making that available but yeah. whenever i talk to a weapon guys like no i don't touch that um <laughs> So what's your main reasoning for that? And what is it just the workflow is so weird? Uh, it's not um, just intuitive just yet. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that reason will be a little different from artist to artist, but when it comes to a lot of the definitely like I'm a hard surface gun person and that's mostly what I do, which is definitely me and a, a yeah. large group of other artists that get paid to do what we do. Um, you know, you, you just never used a lot of ZBrush. So while I definitely loved it and enjoyed learning to sculpt and stuff in school, I, I never really did much ZBrushing professionally as, yeah. as a hard surface artist. Um, it, I never found, when I did do stuff, you know, I, I never found anything that was going to be like, oh man, this is so much faster. 
so much better. Uh, ZBrush's menu, you know, it's it's definitely a weird UI and program to kind of to kind of get into um, with it being so different uh, than everything else. They don't follow any standards that anyone else does, of course. So I think it's just a little bit of all these other things. You know, I just since I never was a person that was like, okay, characters, you know, creatures organic sculpting. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to get paid to do all the time in video games. When when you when you get that, you know, you're definitely going to get ZBrush and you're going to get good at it. You're going to get super proficient at it. But that just never really settled with me. Um, it, I just was, you know, I was taught kind of a specific hard surface workflow regardless, you know, regardless of what modeling suite you're in. It's that classic kind of you know, lay down your constraining edges on your model, throw that kind of smooth modifier on there and just do it, do it all by hand and get it looking exactly how you want. Yeah. Um, and that workflow for me has kind of always just prevailed, even when I've dived out of it a little bit and looked into other ways or using, you know, plugins and stuff. It's just going to take my block out model and try to, to make it nice and high poly without the added work and steps of laying out down my constraining edges and getting exactly where I want. Um, I mean, I'm so comfortable with that. I can do that so quickly that it's just like second nature. The, the, I feel like the hardest part for me in any like asset that I'm doing is always the the block out the very beginning, yeah. you know, nailing these proportions and shapes so that they're pretty close to what they need to be in real life before you've even worried about getting the high poly done, making sure the edges are all nice and round and smooth where they need to be and any sort of high poly details are going to get baked down to the normal maps. Um, so that always takes me the longest time. And then from there, it's all just kind of busy work, like, you know, unwrapping and high poly modeling, laying down your constraint edges and getting those, those curves exactly how you want, um, just kind of becomes second nature when you've done it enough. Um, so yeah, I just haven't, haven't dived into ZBrush because mainly because I just haven't needed to for a big reason. Um, Painter has gone so far with what you can do with like just height maps and, you know, painting height data. Um, you can really fool, I feel like, a lot of stuff that people would think could only be done um, or high would poly. normally have, yeah, only done like sculpting in a high poly. And you, you can do that like all with just height map info and some really amazing uh, designer, substance designer, you get a really good, you know, texture artist and materials person in there. And it's like, oh yeah, this is all nodes and, and just stacking and layering height maps the right way. And it's like, are you sure that looks like an amazing, that would have been an amazing sculpt. I want to see your sculpt. You're lying. It's like, no. Um, so yeah. <laughs> No, I, I get kind you. of kind of I, answered I, it's, it. <laughs> it. It no, it's a, it's the same. Uh, I share the same sentiment because with props, it's the same thing, right? Um, I mean, in my my career, I mostly do world building, uh, so proportion and and block out is so important to get that mathematically correct. And ZBrush just doesn't just doesn't have that. Yeah. Yeah, that's another great to kind of measure things. Point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's you just got to free space it. And then, you know, it, it, only proportion-wise, you can have it in relation of itself. But, like, how many times we start something in ZBrush and import it, and then we got to scale it up 100 times. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, I was just about to say, I get all my scale right at the blockout stage. When it's in max, it's yeah. going to be exactly, you know, I'm going to make sure I get it right in there right before anything so that when that gun ends up in the character's hands, it looks like it's the right size yeah. and everything. Like. Yeah. And that's so important. You can do all that so well with kind of yeah. just your basic out of the box Maximaya. 
<laughs> yeah, right. it sounds like uh, it sounds like Blender solves a lot of those issues. Just being able to, <laughs> yeah, all round sculpting and and stuff mm-hmm. if you have to, uh, just the bare minimum. Um, so you do a lot of guns. Uh, I'm guessing you are a gun owner as well. <laughs> like, what, so what's the deal here? Like, how 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 close to reference do you have to be to kind of be like, uh, to, to be awesome at your job here? Uh, um, I mean, it's it's really tough. Some most people aren't gonna know how how freaking close we got these guns to like real yeah. life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that's part of what helped me get the job they, they asked me that question in my interview at Turok. they're like oh so you're applying for a guns position you like guns right yeah I'm like yeah like you could do you own some guns I'm like, well yeah I, of course i own some guns i like guns this is america <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so and, and that actually worked out to my favor uh they, they liked that you know not only did i you know enjoy doing the stuff in, in 3d and stuff like that but this was something i did on the side you know i go out to the range when i can and, what, and whatnot and, and i get really into these um a, a good amount of all these guns in the game are all guns that you can kind of buy in real life. Now, obviously you don't get the, the fully automatic versions, but you know, you can buy like legal California, like, you know, civilian versions of these that only shoot, you know, one round per trigger pull, like an AR 15 and whatnot. So to be, to have like some of these just, you know, in my safe and be able to just take them out, disassemble them, take pictures of any part I need to, it was, was really nice. Um, it definitely helped. Um, there's another really cool software out there. It's, it's, I guess it's like a game. It's called World of Guns, and it's World the same thing. Guns. Yeah, I don't know if you, yeah, it's just a, a huge like database um, of like these these weapon 3D models, and and they're they contract artists out to make them very close and you know as as close to real world as possible. Um, you can take them apart all in 3D space and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was definitely cool to be able to to look at a lot of these and just look look right at what I have and be able to to do that. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I definitely would say that if you wanted to uh, do this kind of thing, um, it's gonna work out even better. Ah, there it is. Yeah, World of Guns. I, I think I dropped like fifty bucks to own the whole game and all future that. content. Oh, it's insane! Any gun that I didn't own, pretty much, that I wanted to see super realistic the models of. i don't the think they have a vr in- integration um watching yeah it's just right in your browser i don't think i mean that'd be pretty cool um but yeah you know so if it's a gun that you've never held in your hand before or maybe it's something a little harder to find decent reference of and you want to know what the bolt looks like on that side when you rack it back and what kind of details you need to have in there for a video game to at least make it pass as like real you know you can kind of hop in this program and, and check it what out amazing so, resource damn dude oh totally yeah weapons artists uh if you're, if you're not going to get into the real thing for for whatever reason at least get world of guns <laughs> yeah uh, it's a lot of fun yeah, yeah i feel like it's so important um i mean it, it makes sense right the same with characters they're always having those little dolls around their discs mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> P- posing their maquettes and everything yeah so yeah Oh, they do have a gun range then. Good. Yeah, a little little gun range to kind of see how it is, and if you were to use that gun. There's another one. Oh, you were asking about VR. If you want to yeah. see some of the most, you know, some of the most realistic guns you can play with in VR, hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades. 
that's the game. that's the that's the VR bees knees. That's the game. It's a uh, it's kind of like this, um, only not quite to the uh, mechanical degree where you can disassemble them and, and see them in these X-ray modes. It's more about just picking them up and using them in, in VR. But they're it's almost a sim. Um, they're incredibly realistic. If you if you grab an M16 in, in World of Guns and you pick it up. And you don't know how a real M16 works in life in real life, you're gonna have to figure it out. Because if you don't like, you know, rack the bolt the right way and then you know do this the right way, the, the gun's not gonna work. So they make it really kind of kind of like that. But then they also do some some flashy shit like this. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Silly little uh I don't know yeah. why they where they got the name hot dog for shoes and hand grenades. Oh uh, well, it's catchy, that's why. It is, yeah. <laughs> Like most, I didn't grow up around guns, so at first mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you know, um, naturally, if you don't know what it is growing up, you kind of are a little bit hesitant around it, mm-hmm. but going to gun ranges and feeling the raw power in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. Like, it's I something. get it. Oh, my God. It takes two <laughs> seconds. It's like, and it's, uh, I think the first thing I, I that was shocking to me is like, oh, man, this shit is, this shit is fucking loud. And oh it's yes. so powerful uh with the kickback it's like uh even growing with the, up even yeah with counter-strike <laughs> i was such an <laughs> idiot going growing up with counter-strike you know with different weapons you feel you know different like the deagle is more powerful than the scout or whatever right and so i grew up thinking like that it's like oh i want the most powerful gun because it'll kill faster it's like no every gun will kill you uh <laughs> you don't have to worry about that but pretty you, much like playing with the the different guns and gun ranges is like oh man this will literally blow you up <laughs> if it pierces you uh it oh, definitely yeah. will hurt more it feels like um but it, i think it's one of those nice things i think educational wise that people just need to be around it, it is a technology that isn't gonna go away uh, oh yeah and it's so important to know how to function around them um yeah even at the very least to know how to you know if you don't if you find one and you don't want to touch it you know know how to how to drop that magazine make sure it's safe make sure you know the gun's not going to go off if someone was dumb enough to pull the trigger without intending to or something like that yeah totally but yeah i mean it's really cool i I know even in previous projects um i think it was for sorry my dog in the background hopefully it's not too loud (laughs) Um, I forgot what project it was, but the other weapons artists I work with, um, it might've been free evolve. Maybe it was something beforehand. I don't remember, but they, uh, they got to go hang out with like, uh, I think it was, uh, some sort of division of the armed forces. Um, they went and got out to like an army base and they got to shoot kind of the real deal. And same thing. A lot of people just had the same, the same kind of epiphanies like, oh man, I've never seen any of this stuff. Like in real life before and been around a gun when it's fired and so it's very eye-opening and you know so it's pretty cool when studios will, will take you to do that take your teams uh, i think they took the audio team out there as well to, to actually get some some raw sounds recorded um so it's always a good opportunity to, to jump on if you if you have if you have the chance to <laughs> yeah I, I think um there was a great time period where uh research like that was uh, more encouraged. I do feel like we're entering kind of like an era where it's like Google Google games. <laughs> oh yeah, it's less important for sure. You can yeah. you can literally just get everything you need off the internet to some degree. 
Yeah, <laughs> so like to to uh, to to I think to a point where it is a problem, right? We're not vacation scouting, uh, not vacation, <laughs> location, <laughs> location scouting anymore as much. Um, I mean, the internet is a powerful tool. It obviously is convenient, and uh, it's the next best thing if you don't have access to 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 those uh, uh, opportunities. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like a lot of games now, um, myself included, have been mostly relying on internet resources to kind of visually uh, tell this story. Yeah. Um, I, to, I think, a detriment, man. I, I feel like it feels... You can you can tell if it feels fake uh, yeah. to a certain degree. To at least, like, people who are around guns a lot or... And I'm not not saying that you have to shoot zombies or shoot a person to to know what it feels like, right? But oh, of course, saying, yeah. <laughs> there are things <laughs> like you know, as an environment artist, it'd be nice to kind of visit these places, get the the, the context, the textual um, thing that you're trying to convey digitally. Uh, that overall helps. You know, we have mega scans now. We have like photogrammetry. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. We don't even go out anymore i mean a lot of bigger studios yeah they have their own team but even then it's like you're kind of leaving it up to your texture team to kind of capture all that data for you right yeah i'm sure that's become even worse with the whole pandemic thing but you know maybe it's get a little bit better now but now that things are kind of slowing down easing up but uh yeah it's it's a great point well do you do you yourself see that as you're playing kind of through these games do you kind of get a sense of uh that knowing kind of if the team went through research and development or or oh yeah all the time time. oh yeah incredibly easily um there's there's even with our game there's a uh you know there's always going to be like a crowd of people and they're they're probably going to be louder than everyone else even if they're a very small minority but you know we strive for um you know good feeling kind of cottage gunplay you know because that's that's what a lot of people are going to know. And, and COD has come a huge, you know, way in pretty accurately depicting how a lot of guns work, even down to stuff like a, a regular reload versus a tactical reload and what that even means and what that entails. Most people have no idea what that even means that I just said. And that's something that we didn't get a chance to incorporate into our game is tactical reloads. So essentially like on an AR-15, you know, if you spend the entire mag and you shoot at all 30 bullets out of that magazine, um, you know, uh, the bolt is going to lock back. So when you put a new mag in, you have to hit a button to get it to engage again. That's a regular reload, a fully reload. Well, if you've shot that gun and you haven't emptied out every bullet in that magazine, the bullet's going to be ready to go. So you don't have to take that extra step of pushing that thing. So it's all these, just these little like nuanced, types of things that we didn't get to implement so i mean that's kind of more focusing on the animation side but even down to to the modeling side um there's just so many games out there where you know people who kind of know guns will look at it and be like oh man the proportions of that ak are so whack like mm-hmm. that you know that back grip why is it so big or so long it's not how it's supposed to be or whatever but um so yeah i mean there's always going to be kind of crowds that can spot that stuff and that'll pipe up about it but they're usually in the minority just because yeah most people don't kind of understand because they don't look at these things in quite that much detail and whatnot yeah i i I do think that you can feel it though like even with me i'm not around guns that much but 
Mm-hmm. There's certain games that just rise above. Oh, I'm sure if it's bad enough, yeah. Yeah. And it's a collection of things too. Like everything's got to at least be good enough somewhat. Your animations, your visual effects, the, the placement of the visual effects, all that stuff, the model. You know, if, if if something's lacking, it can really bring down just maybe the gunplay as a whole. Um, so it was it was it was great though. We 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 had some we had a great weapons team. Um, so pretty pretty stoked with how it all turned out given all the limitations we had the time we had to do it <laughs> no it looked great man like how, how um like going through we're looking at uh, guns right now from back for blood like what what was the normal timeline here from uh concept to to finish yeah it's it's kind of hard through through the main part of production we actually switched things up that worked out really really well in our favor so at the beginning after we got one or two guns modeled and textured which i'm trying to think back to when we actually did it all in one block of time i mean i'm sure some of them ended up taking almost a month or so to get through like the whole pipeline um, between most of the team and whatnot um so but what we ended up doing which was really more beneficial to the team was we just you know building back for blood on the ground up out of the box of you know unreal 4 with literally nothing we, yeah, we just had to start from scratch. So it's like the big initiative became, uh, you know, tons of good blockouts. So not like a proxy where it's just like kind of close, you know, a fully fledged blockout. Like this is going to be pretty much how the gun's going to sit in your hand in game. So what without all the high poly and then all the textures and stuff done. So we, we hit that really, really hard. So it was just spending a week or, or two, depending on the guns. Some things can get done a lot faster, depending on the size and whatnot much details on it but um yeah we just hit that really really hard for a long time to get most of the guns that were going to be in the game just blocked out so that everyone else had something to work on the animators had a something pretty close to what it was going to be to, to animate um you know same for effects and just everybody else who, who would need to touch these um had something to work off of and you know once that was all done uh the weapon art team got to go back to these these nice blockouts and and do them, do them for real and give them a nice high poly model and get the textures in. But at that point, everyone else is already doing their stuff. So you got to see the game come together a lot at the end, um, as far as like the guns, because um, we were just looking at these gray models forever and more and more gray models, more and more gray models. And then finally, like the last, you know, however, however so much time, half a development or, or less or more or whatever it was, um, it's just like everything comes together. It feels like it comes together really fast. But it's, you're really just seeing a culmination of everyone's work just getting plugged in and, and put up at the same time. And it worked out really, really well. Um, I can see us doing it that way more in the future. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean. Did like all the guns, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about it's half. It's about half. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're we're just a little team, man. It's two two weapons artists. Um, yeah. We didn't outsource much through most of the project in, until the end, um, when we were kind of needed really some some big help. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, you look at like a COD team, you look at their guns. It's like you know seven eight. It's army. You know, like seven eight or people just in house like working on guns, and then you've also got you know vehicles, teams, team, yeah, teams of outsource like. So to to try to to try to get to that level in in all aspects with a super tiny team was a really fun challenge. Um, yeah. So what were the shortcuts of, that you had for yourself? Was it the modeling or texturing that really... texturing? 
Texturing yeah. Was uh, texturing was where we made up a lot of time. Um, you know, you're kind of, you can notice a lot of these guns, their, their base models. Um, it's just a lot of kind of gray metals and, and stuff like that. So you've got to just reuse a lot of the metals and smart materials and textures that you've already created to just, you know, you, you found something you like, you slap it on the next model, you, you tweak it a little bit, maybe change things up and then you just go from there. But yeah, texturing was really where things started just going fast after we developed the workflow that, that worked for us and some, some materials that worked for us well and stuff like that. Um, making these skins, you know, it's just like, okay, just paint a, an American flag and kind of overlay it on the textures you already had. So, you know, I didn't have to like repaint all the scratches and stuff like that. When I did this skin, it was just kind of paint an American flag, delete the edge wear so that you get some cool grungy stuff shining through. And, and there you go. You have a sweet little custom flag skin or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, definitely the big time saver there once we got that walkouts never got faster <laughs> yeah that's great man that's crazy oh, i love this one the health these were fun <laughs> the legendaries were fun this was the first chance that the weapons team actually got to work um with some concept arts um from from the team so you know they they knew we were going to be working off of guns we already had in the game so it's like what do we what do we do to, to spice this up a little bit make it look more legendary it's like cut out some teeth give it this cool like old hood ornament type devil man in the back, you know, wrap some barbed wire, you know, they explored some concept iterations. And so that was, that was really fun. Yeah. It looks like um, you had fun with this one. <laughs> that was definitely, that was probably the one I had the most fun with, but. So how, how often when you're working with other departments, like the, the rig and the animation, like it is it collaborative or are you kind of like asked to pretty much uh, serve them? <laughs> like uh yeah. like if the rigger comes back and say hey you gotta fix this or else it won't look right or whatever or the anime yeah you know there wasn't there wasn't really a whole ton of that mostly just because since these guns are you know, mostly all based on guns that are real life we kind of just we made them to function how they were going to work in real life um admittedly uh some of our animators and stuff um, weren't super into guns so they had a lot of kind of catching up to do but they were awesome they yeah. they asked so many questions all the time it was hey brad and sean can you walk down over here i've got this new reload and i want you guys to see it and tell me what you think about it before i even bother showing it to my lead or anyone else on the team yeah um so there was a lot of that and and I couldn't have been happier with, with how it worked out, to be honest, because they, they totally gave a shit. Like they didn't want to just throw in whatever they felt was good enough and call it done. Um, they were like, okay, well, we, we understand. And, and there was a lot of give and take. There were plenty of times where we're like, oh, it actually doesn't quite function this way. You know, <laughs> so, so you to... didn't just whip out your gun at the, the office and it's like, no, <laughs> see here, this is how you take it a magazine. Here's how it goes. <laughs> um i mean we had some airsoft guns but no yeah. the, the real ones the real ones stayed at home <laughs> yeah. uh, it was fun getting some some like airsoft guns and replicas and stuff for, for the studio and to bring those over and, and have those laying around wouldn't wouldn't be a, a weapon art without some nerf guns and some airsoft guns sitting around to, to play with but um <laughs> yeah. yeah like I, I went airsofting as a kid and uh there was an instance where there was an electrician in one of our group that was uh, working on a office. So the office was cleared out. And when we showed up, it was like full on 
it was like CS office basically mm -hmm. from Counter-Strike, right? The level, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he had these, you know, I guess they've been doing this for many weekends. All these BB guns are, uh, BB bullets are on the ground. Yeah. I remember going, they even had like a basketball gym. Uh, it's a pretty big office. And so it was like a six versus six. And uh, I was hiding up, up on the second floor in the basketball court it was like <laughs> in the custodial closet or something mm -hmm. <laughs> and i just straight up punched a drywall just to make a hole <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun and i loved That's it i love awesome. airsofting over paintball because of how they are like replicas yes i felt the same way yeah i just, can never truly get into cool paintball. holding it right mm -hmm. um <laughs> but yeah you know but it is more difficult you have to be very honorable to call yeah. yourself out and stuff exactly. so that gets frustrating once in a while but yeah, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, it's just naturally. I think as kids, you kind of naturally like guns. But from games, at least for me, it was from games. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, same. Yeah. yeah. First-person shooters were always easily my favorite class of video games, even before I knew I wanted to make video game art for a living or have anything to do with video games for a living. It was like, yeah, these are fun. <laughs> this is what I liked. I can still remember some of the first shooters that I ever played on a PC and how much my parents were not cool with that. <laughs> These are the parents that let me shoot at 22, you know, when I'm 10 years old. But when it comes to, yeah. to, to the real deal or, you know, shooting all the blood and the violence in video games, that was where it's like, hey, yeah, no, no, you're too young for that, young, young boy. So I had to do that in secret. <laughs> now get your 22 and let's shoot in the back. All right. Yeah. Well, when, when it comes to, you know, you've always worked um on both realistic and um fantasy guns um what what is the most important thing to kind of make those sci-fi guns based on reality like because obviously when we look at these games they go too fantastical mm -hmm. um where it just feel ah, the best way i could describe is weightlessness there's a weightlessness to it when i'm playing mm -hmm. like a certain well it's certain Halo games nowadays are better, but there were certain guns in Halo where I was like, all right, I'm just playing with a Nerf gun at this point. Yeah. So what it's was just the, not like that? Yeah. So yeah. what was, what's the key thing there where are, you can't, is it like a balance of 50% of realism uh, and another 50% yeah. of fantasy? Like what, what, what is the feel there? Uh, to make I mean, things it's definitely, I feel like a lot of different little things, a lot more can just go and anything goes or a lot more you can get away with when it comes to the fantasy guns like stuff that's in destiny and, and stuff like that or even transformers um i feel like it a lot of it just relies on just a little bit of everything you know even down to something like the fov of the guns you have in game some games like to have more stretched out fovs so the gun you know appears thinner and longer on the screen for whatever reason it's maybe maybe the reason is they want the guns to be less obtrusive on the screen so that you can see more of the actual gameplay and game stuff that's going around but then the gun feels lighter it feels skinnier and longer and just doesn't feel as heavy and, and as good you know we, we really strived for a more like squat fov to make the guns feel chunkier and heavier in your hand but then you know the animation is going to be a huge part of it you know, when they slam that mag in there, is his hand going to kick back a little bit as well to, to kind of show that that force? You know, I feel like, like, holy crap, when Modern Warfare yeah. remake came out in 2019, that was just the epitome of taking video game guns and 
pushing those anims even a bit past what's super real to just make them feel as meaty and heavy and mean and chunky as possible. And they just freaking nailed it. They really yeah. nailed it. Um, a lot of games have strived to, to try to get to that level and either gotten close or not, not quite and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I think just little things like that is just, they've all got to kind of come together for that to, to kind of feel right. Gunplay is just everything. It's a little bit of everything, you know, all the way down to the sounds and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's hard to just pinpoint it on one thing, especially whether or not you're using, you're, you're making like realistic guns or something that's completely unrealistic at all. Uh, but yeah, I think my answer is a little bit of everything. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's tough, man. I it's I think it's the same with environment because I think COD's the only game that I actually had to kind of base things on realism, right? Um, mm -hmm. But even then, I wasn't traveling to Italy or or anything right yeah. had to basically, it was google it was google art um yeah. and most of the time that's that's where you're kind of that's how you guys gotta be creative right you're just gonna have to base it on on references as much as possible yeah um and that's why i feel like as a digital artist you know you you weapon guys have less of a concern i feel like um the only time you guys that do go crazy is like the sci-fi different guns but like yeah. for environment you know not being in that uh scenario uh this a disingenuity uh, feeling like a creative artist right it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm making this up from references so i i don't know I, I guess like for me i've always felt like a kind of poser in that way it doesn't feel yeah. authentic it's not because you're you're supposed to be grabbing from experience and expressing it right that's what a creative is um uh, an expression of the art that you experience but because i'm kind of doing this and because we're digital artists for entertainment right mm -hmm. you know it's all about trying to hit the deadline that uh there's a disconnect uh for this generation of artists uh versus you know the real artists that are actually basing it off of their experiences yeah, it's definitely changed and is changing for sure. Uh, or, or then you get a, a crazy design team that wants you to change all the stuff up. Oh, like, no, I'm trying to make it like this space. But, but forever between art and design, it's, it's never going to go away, but it's so needed. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. I've never been able to explain that. Um, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard, right? Because uh, I think out of everybody, weapon artists are probably the most uh, in tune with their craft because you guys are usually gun owners. You guys usually have access uh, for reference like that. I feel like uh, it is definitely unacceptable <laughs> when when you interview a weapon artist. Like, I've never shot a gun in my life. It's like, all right, yeah. next, <laughs> right? Um, totally. And then it becomes less and less important uh as, as a character artist as an environment artist as i mean that's pretty much it all types of art really uh, even with animation they're able to kind of use themselves as references and they're not mm -hmm. kind of making it up on their own but like uh but even weapon animators uh, i find that they're kind of referencing other animators um, oh yes definitely. a lot right they're not out there like no i shot this myself so, like, you guys are definitely in a class of your own. Um, the one thing you guys, you know, 
because even vehicle artists they don't have access to any of that either oh I mean, yeah man working yeah. on tanks was crazy it was yeah, you don't have tanks in your garages it's impossible <laughs> so uh, i've always noticed that with weapon perfect. guys yeah you guys are definitely uh, a lot more real in, in terms of at least entertainment artists um just just loving that craft and loving that genre uh, more than the rest of us so Cool. It's cool to hear about it from an outside perspective, which I don't. That's what I've noticed, often. man. I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, researching Google. I look over to you guys. You're like cocking your magazine. Oh, well, cocking your <laughs> <laughs> exiting your magazine and shit. See, I don't even use the right terminology. It's nah, yeah. cool. It you called cool. it a magazine instead of a clip, so you're you're okay in my book, buddy. <laughs> there we go. Wow. Uh, well, man, uh, we are at the top of the hour. I want to thank. Oh my you god, for... it went by fast. <laughs> putting the time i love looking at your stuff man it's always great to kind of have you and uh and just hearing updates uh overall uh how can the good people find you um your art station twitter whatever uh this yeah. is where i kind of shut up and let you take over yeah i mean i i actually don't do too much I, i'm on facebook and i'm on art station that's kind of about oh and linkedin um you know you can just search brad boyles and i'll pop up on art station or probably linkedin brad boyles art but uh I think my actual art station portfolio is just the normal brand.boils at artstation.com uh, if you want to check out that stuff. But uh, always love to have comments and views and critiques and whatever. So, <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you as always. It's always yeah. fun to talk to you. Likewise. And, uh, see you guys all next week. Yeah, buddy. <laughs>